And I just think that our children, if we're not careful now, our children are going to grow up in a space where they really struggle to look in the eyes of another human being, to feel that person's emotional state, but also get a sense of who they are. Mm and are almost processing in their heads what to say next, how to come across correctly, making sure they don't mess up, uh, intellectualizing a conversation as opposed to emotionalizing it, becoming emotionally present with somebody. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe. Completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today the mission is to provide you with what you need in order to create a turning point in your life now. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to create these shows is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope our genuine, sincere hope that by the end of each of these episodes, you will have gained at least one insight which you can take away and apply directly into your life. Practical tools, voices that come from both generations, younger generation with tips and tools, older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience. So you can help unlock your true potential to give you the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level to give you a chance to impact both your life and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. We welcome you to The Cicado Show. Before we jump into the show, let me just tell you a little bit about becoming a Cicado supporter now. If you love what we do on the show, have gained transformational insights and positive outcomes or any small shifts which have allowed you to create turning points in your life, then please head to cicado.com and become a supporter of the show now. By supporting the show, we can continue to expand by getting you better quality production, spending more time deep diving important topics and creating more exclusive supporter perks as well as getting great guests on. And by the way, as a thank you for becoming a supporter and depending on which supporter tier you select at cicado.com, these perks range from my weekly recipe for success emails through to audios and video courses from my 23 steps to success, which includes online modules on how to find your life balance, gaining confidence, improving your time management, making successful career transitions, understanding financial independence, creating a life purpose, understanding and how to manage your money, becoming a money master, understanding negotiation techniques, learning to communicate more effectively, and so much more. So don't delay. It takes less than two minutes and you can become a Cicado supporter, helping to expand the show and get special perks as a thank you. Become a supporter now at cicado.com. Let's get back to the show. Hello, it's Harms here and welcome to another episode of the Cicado Show. Today, the episode you're going to be listening to tackles a subject that often goes underneath the radar. And for many people, they may not even be aware that this is happening to them. I will reveal all in a moment. In everyday communication, all too often, people on a personal or professional level find themselves in a situation where they struggle to really connect with the person they are speaking to. That's the basis of the conversation today. That's the problem we're here to solve. This leads to frustrations that can build within families and businesses and employees and customers. And this overarching level of 
a feeling of being disgruntled because they are unable to have their needs met or to even be heard, fundamentally linked to the connection I just spoke about. Add to that in a rapidly changing world where we are forced to make decisions quickly and technology seems to dominate all forms of communication, think email, think instant messaging, which means people have lost touch with their inner voice. And this communication has led to a very heady culture. That's what I want you to write down mentally today. This kind of communication has led to a very heady culture. Now, shifting the focus to Dr. Rowe, who's been in a field of communication for over 30 years, and we've just come off an amazing communications event. And so I want to pick his brains about this observation and to maybe give us examples of how to spot when we are connecting from the heart space and how to open ourselves up to a more flowing, dynamic, engaging, and heartfelt communication versus when we are coming from a headspace. So Ro, over to you. I know this conversation is is actually you know, deep in your soul. It's something that you wanted to speak about for quite a while now. And anybody who comes into interaction with you, often they leave with this amazing solution. And it's often because of this head versus heart battle. So Ro, why is this topic so important to you? Over to you. Thanks, Harms, and hi to everybody. And again, thank you all for joining us on the Cicado Show. Another great subject. Why is this so important? I think, simply put, we've moved in, as you said so rightly, we've moved into an era now where people are just wanting to get quick results. A lot of digital communication, people are talking on Zoom, on their phones, on FaceTime, and often while functioning, doing other things, I think particularly for your generation, I want to talk, this, talk about this a little bit later, is everybody's just in this space of getting things done. And I genuinely feel that we've moved further and further away from that slower paced, more present, heartfelt connection that people certainly of my generation I grew up with and my grandparents, 100%, my parents. And, and I just think that our children, if we're not careful now our children are going to grow up in a space where they really struggle to look in the eyes of another human being to feel that person's emotional state but also get a sense of who they are Mm. and are almost processing in their heads what to say next how to come across correctly making sure they don't mess up uh, intellectualizing a conversation as opposed to emotionalizing it becoming emotionally present with somebody so it's a, a really huge subject. You just mentioned that we've just come off the back of an event. I, I would say if it wasn't the number one, it was in the top two, yes. maybe three things that came out from the weekend, which is people, we had one gentleman that came on, I think in his 50s, said he had n- never looked somebody in the eye as much as he had this weekend. And I think in, f- in 50 years, I don't think he'd ever really had a deep conversation where he'd look somebody in the eye and really got a sense of who they were. It was always a functional process. And we need to address that. Yeah. We, we had a, a mother on the call who spoke to one of our coaches and also revealed that the way she was taught to be a mother was not to look her sons in the eye, never really face them up, never really create emotional connection with them. And that would turn them into men or, or, or whatever. That also transpires back to what we're talking about here. Uh, and I just want to add a note, which is the one of the things I've seen out there is everybody feels like they have to give an immediate response. Yes. And I sometimes fall into that trap constantly. Somebody says something to me rather than take a moment to feel what that person is saying. Instead, it's a logical instant response. 
And once that muscle is trained, it's extremely hard to reverse True. that process, which is why people have to come spend three intensive days to almost unlock their heart. But I'm sure we're going to get into well, this. Well, but, but this is, no, I mean, let's stay on this point for a minute because this is, this is a conversation as much as, as, as a podcast, which I guess our podcasts are just conversations, but with a purpose. And that is, if you think about it, texts come in and you get a text and it's heady. It's in your hand. It's a digital thing. And then you kind of respond with your fingers yeah. and you're thinking about what you're saying. And in that moment, we're completely not present with anyone else around us. And then we put that down and then we go to our emails and it's the same thing. We definitely moved into a culture where we feel an obligation to respond quickly. And that's coming through our interaction with people. So we're not, you know, we're almost functioning face to face like we would be with a phone or with a computer. I'd be interested to see if our listeners agree and have this sense because I actually think this is a serious problem for our growing youths. Yeah. Uh, so another way to describe it is how do you get across emotion via a text an right. instant text response and actually people have defaulted to an emoji emojis yeah uh, you just touch you just you just jog my memory but then, there. But then even then yeah especially for your group yes. age groups like but then emojis can be positioned in a certain way and people misinterpret them correct or you get the wrong emoji but but the, but i think the message here is for the listeners at home is when our youth or when somebody then goes to interact in real life. Right. You know, you don't, you can't pull an emoji out your pocket and say, <laughs> "I really so love true. this conversation," yeah, or yeah, "This yeah. conversation is making me cry." Instead, it's a stone cold logical conversation. Yeah, because they haven't learned to articulate it; they've mm. just functionally done it through their phone. Okay, so I just want to take. By a the step way, back. even that. Sorry, that that in <laughs> itself opens up a whole subject area, which I'm just quite interesting. Actually, that could be the, the you know, just communicating through phones. Mm. Another podcast, maybe. And I'm, I'm kind of sorry. I'm, I'm tugging I, all over the place because it's such a big subject. This no, it's an amazing point. I want to take a step back and just make sure we define for the listeners, right? Which is what is meant when we talk about what does it mean to talk from your head rather than your heart? What does that mean? Yeah, you know, I'm sure if I say this, there'll be some people that disagree or some people. Oh my god, that's so true. Uh, let me put it in my words, and maybe you can add to it from your own observations mm. as well. When somebody's talking from the head, they're not really. They're thinking about what they're saying, and it has to be done the right way. They're intellectualizing it. They are processing it. They're, it's to do with how I'm coming across. Am I right? Ego is definitely coming into it. And there's just a disconnect from what their body might be telling them. That They're really not tuned into anything else that's going on below, below the neck, actually. Whereas the heart is that feeling that you get when you look at somebody. They don't even have to say something. You might remember, actually, on our CWI event we've just run, I put a photograph up on one of the sections on authenticity, one of our components on authenticity. And it was a picture of a lady holding out, I seem to remember it was a potato or possibly mm. a sweet potato. Mm. And without a word, we asked all the, all the delegates to type in what they felt. And it's incredible. They really got a sense of yeah. this lady, didn't they? And my comment after about four or five minutes of input was, she hasn't said a single word and yet look at the connection you've got with her. That is somebody expressing without using their head. It's just a feeling. It's something that's coming from their heart. So a heartfelt conversation is where you're present. You get a sense of what the person's feeling. The tone in your voice is softer. There's a, a flow between the two people. As a, and you're speaking with and empathizing with, as opposed to from the head, you're speaking at somebody, you're talking to them. It's a, it's a one-way conversation almost where they're, they're receiving, but they're not really feeling they're connecting. I think that's a simple way for me to put it. If you want to add your kind of younger brain spin on it from what you've observed, that'd that, be good. No, that's fantastic. That makes sense. Uh, the only point I'd add was, uh, you mentioned two points, actually. You mentioned on the weekend that 
you know, start to think of your communication and connection with somebody as a dance. Yes. Because in this polarized world, you know, it's very much black or white. And because There's people m- talk like, oh yeah, I keep having arguments. There was a lot of language, like arguments and battlefield. battlefield. Conversations felt like a battlefield. So dance is a nice metaphor. Dance is nice. And, and you want to dance in that gray area because everybody has their own perceptions. Everybody has their own way they've grown up. Everybody's in their own circumstance. Yeah. And we completely forget that. And the reason we forget that is uh, linking to my second point, which is we're very much thinking about the fix, the solution. Yes. Well, why don't you just do it this way? You should do it this way. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah, very yeah. much coming from that headspace. Yeah. I think men fall into this trap more than women. Yeah. Um, trying to find a solution. Yeah. Trying to find so it. She's fix. expressing openly. And his brain is processing that. And instead of feeling it, immediately coming up with a solution. And that conflict that can happen between couples, male-female energy, is he's trying to fix it and she just wants to express. And that's head-heart conversation going on there. Yeah. So we sort of led into the second question I had in mind, which is we're talking about two situations here that we want the listeners to be aware of. The Mm. first is, how do I know when I'm speaking from my head versus my heart you know there's a distinct characteristic we started to talk about this and secondly when you're speaking to somebody else how do you spot in them which is just as powerful so okay think about a situation anyone listening to this will know this how many times you had a conversation with somebody and as they're speaking to you you find yourself listening to what they're saying and coming up with a counter argument or you're already preempting a response or you're wanting to speak almost straight after they finish without a pause, or even over them, maybe because of enthusiasm, but most of the time because you already feel you have the answer to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. That's a classic heady conversation where you're thinking about what you're saying. You're processing and coming straight back. Equally, you know, you're coming to the table and the other person's in front of you and they're breaking down, their facial gestures are giving you all these signs about the fact they're going into an emotional place and you completely missed it and you're just functionally responding. Mm. You're speaking at, that's your classic, you're talking about how it feels from your perspective, how it feels from the perspective of the deliverer. Whereas when you're in your heart, you almost can't rush. I mean, yeah. even now I made that shift. You, you, you feel every word, your face feels it, your eyes soften off, your tonality, somebody who's heady, tends to have very short, sharp sentences like this, and it's like a cliff, whereas somebody that's speaking from their heart, like I'm even shifting to there now, your breath can run out almost because you you want to squeeze that last word out, but you really feel the other person. You can kind of connect with them, and you don't feel a need to get every word right like I'm speaking now. I'm just trying to get a sense of how I can say it so the listener feels it. That's a heartfelt communication from the deliverer's side. Yeah. Even as I'm sh- talking to you, what are you noticing? And I'm looking you in the eyes, I'm speaking as well. So when we talk sometimes on the mics, we're like distanced and sometimes I'll lean across and I'll look at arms. Other times I won't. He's talked, mm. uh, but, but the, you can just sense when there's a shift. You can sense what, the what's shift. happening there for you, you. And here's a good distinction, which is if you don't come from a heart space, you won't be receptive to these shifts either. Okay. So that's, that's something... Uh, you know, True. As, as a heady person, I would somebody even listening to this from a headspace. I, yeah. I would have been sitting here ten years ago, and I would have been like, I, I don't feel any different. Right. Whereas here, I, I okay, felt yeah, the shift. Yeah, I felt, yeah, 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 I yeah. felt the person, which in this case is Doctor Rowe, had gone to a place where he's, and and of course, from the listener's perspective, you can only hear us. I can see Rowe's eyes. I can see his face changing. Right, right, that's a good point. Um, I can see his, I can see his breath changing. You know, when he was giving you the definition there, or his feeling of the explanation. 
you know, his eyes were looking in parts of his mind to find what he's feeling at yes. this moment yeah, in time. Yeah. And we do, we this. actually talk about mind reading we do. on the CWI. And if a heartfelt question is asked, that person starts to search for it in a different place to if a head question is asked, which we saw very openly. So, okay. So your question then was, how do you see it in the other person? Normally it's the same thing. You know, you've got to be a mirror to that person if you like, and you say, well, okay, if I was looking at myself, how would I look heady? How to look hard? Head person tends to look up a lot or left and right. They can't keep their eye contact very long with you. And there's, and when they do speak, like I might maybe I'll try it with you now. There's almost like no change in their eyes at all. They're just speaking like I'm doing now, slightly monotone. What's my eyes doing? Like a robot. It's fixed. Right. Okay. It's fixed. That's the that's you know when, your when, head. when people talk about eye contact, they're thinking I need to have perfect eye contact. Right. With a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's gonna be straight, it's gonna be dead. And it's a monologue, it's like I'm delivering mm. to you. Whereas if I now search for a feeling, I have to go into my internal processes to get a sense of that. Yeah. And and I can break eye contact with you, but I'm still feel connected with you. I don't feel I have to look at you all the time. And that, that when somebody's talking to you from heart, you said it, I mean, my breathing changed. You almost gave the, the answer to the second part of the question. My breathing changed. I looked down. There was a softness to my voice. You know, you can just feel that person. That's the, the essence here. And a newsreader reading uh, an article about a situation, you can just tell they're in head, they're literally reading a cue, dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. But if you watch a really compassionate newsreader when there's something serious, you can t- you can see them shift, like there's yeah. been a death or a shooting of a young child. I saw one, actually I saw a clip the other day where the newsreader's eyes just welled up and her face went, and she's supposed to, quote unquote, supposed to be composing herself, but that was a heartfelt shift for her. Yeah. Now that's a deep one, of course. But on a day-to-day basis, if I'm just delivering to you all the time, we wouldn't have a relationship, you and I, because you just get bored with it. And, and disassociated. You feel disassociated from me this person. Disconnected. disconnected. yeah. You know, th- that person doesn't leave a lasting impression on you either. You know? No. It was just a logical conversation. Yeah, they were right. Or, That's a very valid point. Or no, they were wrong. And, you know, so now you... So either they're really right and you're like, okay, that person's always right. Or, and, they, and they get annoying to some extent. Yeah. And then if they're, oh, this person's really wrong, you know, you also maybe come from a headspace. But this... what, what the, the point I wanted to make where was actually to develop and nurture i'll call it a skill but it's it's actually it's actually deeper than that i'll just call it a skill for now we'll get we'll get closer to what it truly means but to actually develop the skill and actually access your heart space there's very few people i think on the planet who actually come from that space i I probably met three or four in my lifetime but then lucky to be accessed through your team as well and your team of coaches they all come from that heart space so what there's a group of people they do exist but in your day-to-day life there's very few yeah i think i think let's caveat that i think mm. in certain areas of the world there's mm. definitely a group of emotionally developed people mm. and i think there are people that stay in the heart space all the time yeah and that can also lead to challenges and there's majority of people definitely in the headspace and i think if you look globally, we're moving more and more towards a headspace. And I think that is also the rising consciousness. People are fighting that at the moment. Yeah, You know, there's some great, you know, even if I look out on in, med- in the media, the likes of Oprah Winfrey, for example, we just talked about her this morning. She's really brought that heart space to what she does. And she's not been afraid to confront it, albeit she can go head, she goes heart, but she brings that out of people. And I think you're right. In the public eye, there's very few people out there that are really in that space. If I look at politics, 
when do you see it? And when you do see it, you question, is it real or not? Is it real? And so then now we start to talk about the concept of authentic heart space versus a manufactured heart space. And that's something you can look for and sense. If, but you won't see it if you're in a headspace. You'll think, oh, they seem sincere. Whereas somebody who's truly in their heart space goes, yeah, they're just saying that, but I don't feel that yeah. at all. Yeah, because you will immediately feel it. Now, you touched upon a really good point, where, which is this contrast within people, people who live completely in their heart space or people who live completely in their head space. The question I have is, you know, we are talking about head versus heart here and how to access your heart space. Is being in your head a bad thing? Is it, is it actually a bad thing? Uh, what, yeah. are the, what are the challenges that you come You can hear me that? breathing as you're because <laughs> that's such a deep question. By the way, we're like 15 minutes in and we've gone deep already, oh my man. <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> if anybody's listening to this, they're like, holy shit. I'm hoping we're pressing buttons here because it, it's not really a subject that is discussed, not, not in the general space. For kids, yeah. certainly not. And by the way, you, you, made, you made a point, actually. I just want to come back to it and I'll pick up on your question. But couples can who love each other if one of them's very heady and i've been there man i've I've been i know how that feels especially if i'm doing a lot of events i'm functioning i'm trying to operate in the business and i come home and i speak to my lovely partner and you know i'm in this headspace and she wants to connect sometimes i have to literally unload somewhere internally or just make a switch because here's me dr Rowe, and i can still be in my headspace and the problem is if you're in a relationship in your headspace all the time the same way you said you can switch off your partner can switch off mm-hmm. so if you're in a relationship with somebody who's always heady for example male or female it doesn't matter it's not to do with gender now we're talking about actually just the heart here and they are constantly talking at you that relationship can break up literally can, can pull apart so Going to the question of is it I guess like semi answer is it bad to be in your headspace? No, there's times when, man, you've got to be there because it's the only situation to be in. Right, we need to get to if a if a fire suddenly occurs in this building, we just have to go right functionally. What do we need to do? And it's like a conversation of bang, 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 bang. Do this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in a a job situation where there's a team of you working, you need to get on with stuff. Is it straight into headspace? Yeah. When we ran our CWI event, we spent a whole day. It was basically head, head, head. The conversations between us weren't, ha- we were wanting to get a sense of how the audience would feel, but the three of us was just smashing it out. When we got to the day, it was head, head, head. Most conversations were head, apart from when I was doing the talking or when we came off in a break and we were just reflecting on the day. And yeah. We actually switched immediately. But even then, I remember talking to you and Harminda was dealing with some things with the audience, answering some questions and moving people around into different breakout rooms. And I quickly wanted to ask him a question and it was just like, <laughs> he was in his headspace. Yes. So uh, we need to put a case up. We need to defend headspace. Headspace has its place in our lives. However, from an interpersonal, intimate relationship, creating rapport, connecting with your customer, being compassionate with your business partner, going into a meeting and being aware that somebody in that board meeting, their son has just had an accident that morning, but they're there, but actually they're not talking about it, but you can get a sense there's something going on. Is it important? Freaking out. It's one of the most important things to be in your heart space. And I just think that having an awareness of it, that alone will change people's conversations. Not having an awareness of it on an intimate level, relationship, kids, job, work, Sorry, I just think it can destroy relationships. That's just my personal view. Okay, That's wow. Deep, hard, honest, but I've worked with freaking hundreds of thousands of people over the years, Harms, and you saw this weekend, you know, close to 100 people. 
every one of those people had shifts and it wasn't because it was head. A lot of them said that was amazing, really logical, great tools. But oh my God, the stuff I got yeah. about myself, the connection, watching the people in the audience learn how to communicate more effectively from the heart. That was that was just groundbreaking. Okay. So I want to take it deeper, which is, uh, and I don't know if we intend to do this today, but one of the one of the things the listeners need to be aware of is is when you're the the, the challenge that I, I personally want to emphasize is because I've been there, which is you just live in your headspace mm. and there's no way to get into your heart space. It's almost it almost feels impossible. It's like what, what do you mean? Uh, what do you mean feel something? And and they get to a point where right. they're just not feeling the other person. Okay, so not feeling let's back up a minute. Take us back to Harminda ten years ago in your career before you were financially secure through uh, property and all that stuff. Well, Harminda ten years ago in my career was was an engineering role. There was no. So, what awareness did you even have of this? That, had this conversation even entered your stratosphere? No. So, so let, let me let me describe like how most people might go through work, but for for an engineering high pressure situation where you're in charge of forty plus people, the conversation was always from a headspace. One because it's a safety environment. One, you know, there, there's a like you said, where there's a genuine reason to be in your headspace. You you don't want to constantly be in your heart space if you're an engineer. Yeah. You know, I'd love that bridge to be. Yeah, yeah. Be well, I know that because I was there thirty years ago. <laughs> you, you know, we, so we don't want that. But what happens is, okay, say for example, an employee is going through a tough time, and you go to senior management or you go to HR and HR say tough you do what you got to do with them performance yeah. review them out of the business and it's like so again slowly so everyone hears this so you go to senior management at hr and you've got employees genuinely struggling these are employees who work night shifts so they're and not day doing shifts and that weekends. well in the job but there's something going on in the background something going on the, right. something underlying personal yeah something personal and if it if it can't be solved the conversation from hr or senior management will be well, are you performance reviewing them? Because we want you to performance review them out of the job. In other words, each time you review them, there's an argument to say logically from the company, you can't. We can't keep you anymore. We can't keep you anymore. You, you, you're out. You know, you, you're unstable. Um, stuff I've had such a support. tough six months, Arminda. It's been, yeah. You know, my my little boy. That that's the situation I'm in. Yeah, but, but but well, you didn't do this, and you didn't do this, and you didn't do this at work I, in the I last six months, that. and and, and, and you missed a few paid. days. Yeah, but. Yeah, it just can't give me a break. Uh, there's no breaks. Um, you you get paid a salary, you get paid a wage. My wife may lose her job as well. Th- that's something which we can't help with. What about if I just put my head down and maybe in the next review I, I, we could see if I'm doing better? Yeah, for sure. But I need oh, that's a possibility. But I need you to hit these three metrics. And if you can do those three metrics, uh, can I have a week off next week because my son's really ill? No, that that performance starts as of today. And that's how it goes. That's it? how it goes. And it goes like that again and but again. Wait, so and again. were you, we, did you have any sense of feeling? No, no. I, I said. So how did, I mean, let's, this is, I, there I, are, how many people are listening to this right now? Like the gentleman that came yeah. on who was 50. Yeah. Who came like, oh yeah. He, his closing statement at the end of the CWI event was, I want to get my kids to the next one of these, lock them in the room and chuck away the key. Mm. Because I never taught them any of this. They They don't get this level of, connection or compassion yeah. he said in the, my profession as a con- contractor we don't do that no you don't and if you're a contractor it's even more le- logical right. there's no space for heart space because you're yeah. a contractor yeah yeah, you, yeah you know if you don't want to obey you're gone right we'll get another contract so it gets even more it, so and I, I think in this space we've got to use the word compassion here because that's another mm-hmm. word for maybe how you could communicate with heart space for anyone trying to get a word they can't wrap around the word for the blokes like heart what do you mean heart i don't fucking heart Okay, what about compassion? Oh, well, there's no space for compassion. 
is a slightly different shift in language, but now they get, okay, that's what yeah, you mean by yeah. heart. And they begin to soften as well. I think the fear- you have compassion in you. You are a compassionate person. You are a heart person. So was it just layers and layers of shield so, around so, that? So this is uh, what I want to link to the second question, which is why this happened. So it was at that stage layers. It was layers. And I felt uncomfortable which is subsequently one of the reasons why you know I needed to shift. Okay, so there was a growing discomfort in being like this. Something in your something inside said, "This isn't right, Holmes. This is fucking ridiculous." Which is my heart speaking. Right. But it, I felt it as, "Oh, this is just uncomfortable. I need to get better at my job." Okay. Does that makes sense. In other words, you were questioning whether you just weren't being efficient. Wasn't efficient. People wasn't go. wasn't management material. Right. Wasn't ruthless enough. Right. And right. ruthless to, is a very good word to, there, to be, by the way. To be there. I can't feel uncomfortable. Ruthless I, lives in the in the headspace, not yeah, in the That's I, a word that's just champions headspace. I should be comfortable dealing with employees at this level and and and, ha- and making these tough decisions, but it left me in an uncomfortable and space. And you're what, 20 something? Oh, this is early 20s. Yeah. This is 22, 23 years what old. What about, step back a bit, like within the family. So my, I grew up and my mum, after my father died, man, just functional, mm. you know, headspace, working two jobs, Sometimes three, she'd work. So she'd do mornings, she'd leave, go to work. I'd go to school. She'd come back. She's functioning, remember? And then she'd get an hour and then she'd go off and work in a factory till 10 o'clock at night, sometimes 11. And then on a Friday, she would leave a factory job a little bit earlier and then she'd go and do a, a chip round. Like it was a van where she basically chopped chips and they fish yeah, and chips. Yeah, yeah. And then on a weekend, she'd sometimes do something else as well. So she was really in a headspace. And I just saw, you know, I, I think she didn't have the opportunity to go in and have that compassionate space. Mm. Yeah, she was compassionate towards us as children, but also showed up slightly heady in that respect. And she'd probably be, admit that if I got her on here and said, you know, do you, does that make sense? She'd yeah. probably say, oh my God, I'm talking about my mum with that, you know. <laughs> but I mean, that's how I grew up and I saw that element. But for me personally, I think my father was a Buddhist and, he very much, I mean, he died past when I was 13, but there's something in that ancestry for me has become part of who I am because I, I was very much aware of it. And yeah. I was forced like you into a profession which was very heady, but found myself wrestling all the way through that. And I didn't know until these recent last maybe 20 years that or more, that's what was going on in my heart. Yeah. Something else wanted to change. Did you grow up with that backdrop were your parents heady i mean the asian culture can be a little bit around the men can't it um, so it's like I, functional so, so i'm lucky my success my my parents showed us the compassion yeah. um but i think with the asian culture is it wasn't a case of you know we don't love our children it's a it was a case of they also had to function yeah they, so that's what i mean it's not like my even my mum was compassionate yeah. your but there was something about how they operated they they, they but that sends a message to us as children. Well, from a job space, it was, you know, crack of dawn, you're out working, you come home, you're exhausted. Yeah. In that space, you know, now when I look back, which is why we do the work that we do, is where is the space to show that right. life or teach children to access tired the heart space? Parents. T- tired parents yeah. working, you know, jobs, model shifts. Then you've got the weekend with them. Then they've got house chores and all the kind of functional stuff that has to happen. Yeah. But Asian cultures... As and if you're Asian, listen to this. You'll you'll agree. The focus is less on you know be who you want to be, feel feel what you're feeling. Instead, it's get ready for a professional career. Yeah, yeah. You um, must study hard. You, you must study hard. Yeah, exactly. You know, you must get the degree. You must be a you know go into doctor, engineer. Pro- yeah. If you are professional, 
you you've ticked the box that I mean, now I'm proud of you. Do, we we're having this conversation. I mean, my other half was up late last night listening to a really passionate interview, and you know her conversation with me this morning was we we need to talk and reflect about the kids because yes we want them to do well but and and we believe in showing them about having a sense of purpose but it is that balance between who are they versus what are they being taught and yeah. what is the system saying they have to follow so at an early age our educational system is getting us heady not hearty yeah and hearty and health wise as well but that's another conversation <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to shift the question to because we I, I hope this is it, a different direction i think this is going to go hopefully this is, this is resonating with so many listeners yeah because what we're talking about here bro is actually young age it's a young harms it's a young row and you know what was the step that took us to here and what if we can get young people at an early age being aware of this so yeah. that we can take them through a transition so so i love that because what we've what we've talked about is you know how does it evolve from the start but there was something else i observed you know in the work that we do and you know you're running these amazing events turning point communicating with impact and as an observer of that and working with the with with a team of coaches something i observed you just let me know if this is this is something you agree with which is the the reason or one of many multiple unlimited reasons why people who are permanently in the headspace who can't necessarily they just lost complete connection with that heart space. Mm. They just don't know how to reaccess their heart. Uh, what, what, hopefully by the end of the episode, we'll, we'll help them with some tools there. But one of the reasons this occurs is, which was very transparent over the weekend, is if somebody has felt pain yes. or somebody has felt exactly significant, you know, we describe it as significant emotional event, yeah. or they've had a bad relationship, they've had, you know, trub- troubling childhood, yeah. and that all lives in the heart. That doesn't live somewhere logically in the mind. Yeah. And the reason somebody doesn't want to go back to that space is because it's so painful. Yeah. And that was so transparent. That's, that's, that's such a great observation. Can, can you talk into that space? Because yeah, you, yeah. I mean, I think you've picked on a really important point. I mean, how many times did I say, so what are you protecting or what's really going yes. on there? So the minute, and this is a great observation because what, the minute somebody is in a headspace from my perspective as me being sort of the interventional coach, the first thing I see is somebody trying to protect something else. Now, it could be several things. It could be they're protecting their intellectual uh, level of understanding. In other words, they don't want to appear to be stupid. That could be one thing. Um, It could be they're wanting to protect their status, but most of the time they're protecting a wound, something yeah. that's happened in the past. So oddly enough, the head has stepped in to protect the heart, which mm. is the very thing that we want to, to share. And so I think the conversation that came out a lot was about vulnerability and somebody feeling vulnerable. Men struggle with this a lot. Um, and we might want to pick this up in a minute, but the whole concept in my mind is if somebody has been wounded, let's say they've been abused or they've had a bad relationship, business relationship or intimate yeah. personal relationship, been ditched in the past uh, you know we had a lady that you know woke up on the day of a wedding and a husband just decided that was it he didn't want to get married to or a potential husband and just that left her with a scar she then went into every relationship with men just really heady functional protective so we can use the head in a smart because we th- we can think defense quickly can't yes, we yes we can use words cleverly to defend ourselves we can change the direction of a conversation with our head Certainly we can do this as coaches to guide somebody in the right direction. But if somebody comes at us, we can deflect them with our words. So head 
conversations are really great ways to protect ourselves. And I think that's the point you want to make here is that ultimately most people who stay there are doing it because they are afraid, as we saw with a young man who was a photographer, yeah. they were you know, protecting something in here, pride, ego, hurt from the past, some kind of wound. And so we wrap up the heart with words that are from the head. And so we have to peel those words back. And we have mm -hmm. to allow the head to step away and the heart to become more vulnerable again. And that's where people go, Shit, how do we do that? Wow. So you mentioned the word weakness, and I think right. it's a good time to pivot to that. Weakness. So, so when somebody mm. peels away th those layers, peels away those words, uh, stops that mental mind defense mechanism, and then goes into that space, that that vulnerable space, that heart space. Yeah. Or, or they're afraid to go there. Or, th or they're afraid to go there because, because yeah. Yeah. You know, number one, it's it makes them appear weak. Yes. And if and particularly if blokes, but but women as well in a different way. Actually, it's not just gender specific, but men, it's more of an ego. I might appear weak. For a woman, it's like, oh my God, I'm afraid to go there again. Okay. And then talking as a man, then, if, you know, certainly my generation, it may be in your generation uh, from a different visual perspective, but for my generation, we look at men online, uh, whether it's social media. Yeah. And we are, you know, we are advertised to and content marketed to and lots of information, lots of media around like successful men who have no weakness, you know, they are like, that's right. You know, iron men. Yeah, and yeah. if you're not an iron man, you know, you're, you're weak, you know, you're not successful. So, and if they do show any slight weakness, they kick back in a more heady, aggressive way, in aggressive way, in a defense mechanism, yeah. or they try outsmart yeah, yeah, somebody, yeah, right. you know, there's, there's, there's yes, that's yes, a classic yes, yeah. heady thing. Yeah. I, I'm so clever. I'm so, I'm so intellectual that I'm going to outsmart you yeah. uh, regardless of what you feel, regardless of what's going on with you. I will outsmart you in this situation yeah. and make you feel like, you know, you're, you're lesser. Yeah. Um, but, but, but that side, keep following me, keep looking at my social media yeah. and so on and so forth. So what message does that send to young people coming through? It's yeah. like to be safe, I need to get even headier. And I think that's the danger of this. So, you know, we opened the weekend. I think it happened very early on in the CWI event. And, and this is a common message that we I have to find we do with, particularly men, but, but I think a conversation started with a young lady actually is it's okay. You know, being vulnerable is not a weakness. It's a strength. Yeah. In fact, it's such a powerful strength that allows the heart, which is the biggest engine in our body to really come forward because the minute you open up the heart, you create a connection with another human being. And it, and I think the message to the person I was speaking to initially was it will give you an opportunity to forge a relationship you may never have had mm -hmm. if you've been in your head, because if you've got the gates up and the, and the gates are locked, which is the head, and you don't let somebody into the garden, how can we work on the garden? How can we take the weeds out? How can we start to plant new seeds and cultivate new relationships and, and water it and create these beautiful flowers? And then off go the bees and then we pollinate and it, literally the heart's like a garden. It needs to be constantly fed sunlight, not choked from the head. Yeah. So vulnerability is actually an incredible strength because it shows you have the ability to be compassionate whilst also being driven as well. And for any men listening to this, that's a really important message. And for the ladies, you might be going, yeah, but you don't understand, doctor. I've been hurt before. I know, but just because you were hurt before, it doesn't mean to say that you can't allow somebody to come in there and nurture that heart. It needs to be watered properly. And from a, from a, uh, I guess, a heady perspective when I was observing this and I, I had a bit of a technical role on that weekend. Hmm. Uh, we was, when somebody went into a heart space, so so, just, so for the listeners at home, just imagine the scene. Uh, of course, we're, we're running this event online. Uh, somebody gets 
pulled up, you know, visually, and they're having a conversation with Roe and Roe's having this discussion with them. And then they are they are realizing by getting into the heart space and being in that vulnerable space, yeah. they can create connection with somebody. The evidence of that is the 80 other people on the call, you know, are in tears. They're applauding that person. Yeah. They're like, thank you for showing us that somebody can access their heart. And process. they're having their own aha moments. They're having their own aha moments thinking, oh my goodness, this is what I could have been doing. But in the act of them entering their heart space, they immediately connected with 80 people. Yeah. 80 people suddenly just fell in love with them yeah. and the person they are. And I think On that's- a screen- Remotely, another where <laughs> yeah. another you know people in different parts of the world. It wasn't like it was everybody was in the same geographic location either, which just shows you that it comes down to open-hearted conversation, which is really what strikes. There was logic, without a doubt, and there was definitely yeah. head conversations going on. But it was a dance between the two. We go back to this concept of a dance. It's not a one-legged race. It's actually a dance we're going through. So, so if somebody's listening to this and saying. Yeah, but I can't have a heart space conversation over a telephone, over a messaging app, over a video conference call. You know, it's caused a connection. That's rubbish. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an excuse rubbish. because we've proved that. And actually, if someone listens to this, there'll be people that go, oh my God, this really resonates. That's because now it's getting deeper. You're not intellectualizing it. If you remember, we had people at the start of the week and went, yeah, that makes sense. And I was like, no, that doesn't make sense. Let's get out of your head for a minute. Yeah. In fact, one guy yeah. I actually had to say to him, get out of your fucking head. And he looked at me straight and then I softened and went to a different place. It's like a sledgehammer to break through. But his defense mechanisms had been there for so many years. Yeah. It was, I think it, Sunday, there was, it was a final boom and there's a really heartfelt message. And he shifted completely, but it took several sledgehammers to get there. I think if anyone's listening to this, you may have to sledgehammer yourself. I don't mean <laughs> literally, please. There's a caveat here, right? <laughs> Go seek professional advice on sledgehammers. It's a metaphor, not an actual real sledgehammer. Amazing. So that shifts us actually to, you know, the final uh, sort of element of the podcast, which is how can somebody uh, access a sledgehammer, i.e. a tool, right? and, you know, what are the first things people can do to start opening up and communicating from the heart more? Uh, you know, you've mentioned the one extreme example is having a coach work with you and sledgehammer that defense mechanism out. But what can somebody do who's listening today, yeah. who understands that, you know, they, they don't, they might be in a heart space, but they spend more time in the headspace and they want to access the heart space for more, like I said, interpersonal yeah. relationship with the kids. Maybe they don't know how to switch between the but, two. But also yeah. in business, if you're an entrepreneur listening to this, you're on a business, you know, everything that you do, your business has to function with an end user somewhere. Yeah. So that end user is a human being. And there's compassion needed there. You, you know, if, you're, if your product came across in a more compassionate way, if you articulated it, if people are aware that there's that human element to what you do, you may attract more people. You come back up one notch. You've got employees that sell the product, whether it's you or people that work with you. What about there? So if you're listening to this thinking, oh, I'll switch off because it's not relevant to me. It's relevant to every single conversation that we ever have with any human being oh. anywhere. And, and I'll put my hand up and say, you know, there's been times when I've not always been so conscious because I'm busy. There's something going on. My, there's something suddenly happening in my world and I'm having to function very quickly. Yeah. And I might have had a brief conversation with somebody I met in a cafe or whatever. And I wasn't as compassionate as I should have been. So no one's perfect here. We, the world goes on around us, but the more we're aware of it, I've even done that before, gone back in and just wanted to say, thank you for serving me. That was great. It was really, because I've realized I've rushed in, rushed out yeah. and I didn't connect with that person. And I think having that awareness allows us to be be able to make those changes and adapt quickly. 
I think so. I, I do think it's important that we emphasize it's not just about interrelations yeah. or family. We're talking about everything we do. That's a that's a really good point, Rob, because if you think about the last year, the last year and a half that the oh, world has gone through, God. if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, you know, there's nothing left. There's no logic to this. There's, you know, you have to be compassionate. You have to speak from the heart yeah. to get your employees to rally along with you yeah, very to true. recover, to and turn things around, to pivot. Sorry about that. You're, pre- you're pressing a button of mine. P- people aren't doing it. They're not. I mean, I work with companies and they're like, some of them are like so in their heads functionally, board level all the way through. So the message starts at the top of the company. If it starts then, it's the wrong message. It won't. You won't have compassion going through to the bottom of the company. Yeah. Right out to the customer. And, and I think that's evident. It's, it's, it's evident all around us, but we need that more than ever, especially off the back of what's happened. Yeah. So that leads me uh, back onto what are the tools right. yeah. that people can access or just start using immediately in order for them to start this open communication. That's a good question. Okay, so I'm going to work through a sort of step-by-step. And normally I do four or five, but there's, there's probably seven here okay. that I want to get them through to go through. And hopefully we'll get this in the show notes. Would that be right? Yeah, we'll get all of this in the show notes. You remember cicado.com. That's where we live. Yeah, good. So the first one, and it has to be the first one, is you've got to be present with yourself. So even as you're talking to me, there's that moment of reflection. You're centered. Yeah, you could just speak, but there's just being mindful of what comes. So mindfulness is a very common word we use today. It seems to be very popular, but actually presence is a word that's been around for a long time. And people go, what do you mean by present? Well, just being aware, Mm. being in the moment, which I know sounds a cliche because everyone goes, yeah, we keep hearing about being in the moment, being in the moment. Well, if you keep hearing about it, maybe (laughs) get out of your head and get into your freaking heart and have a look down there because that's what people are trying to say is uh, be with somebody and be with that person as opposed to just being in their space but not being present with them. And that means just being aware of your breathing, your heart, your head, what am I thinking as opposed to what am I feeling, yeah. disconnecting from the sounds around us. You know, we've got phones in the room here with us and everything else, but we're not looking at those. We're just present with each other. So step number one is being present with yourself first. And if that just means uh, whenever you're out, just pausing for a moment like this could just be a split second and just going this is my moment of present before i speak it gives you a chance to connect inwardly check in to a deeper level before just speaking from the head does that yeah, make sense that makes sense anything you want to add to that from your observations uh, I, I would say just for those listening link that back to the example we gave earlier which is you know an amazing gentleman said i had spent 30 years yeah. Not even looking in people's eyes. Well, actually, it was 50 years, bro. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, 50, 50 years. Because I said, because so what happened was there was a young man of 20. Well, I didn't know how old he was. Yeah. And he came up and he goes, this has been life changing. I realized that everyone's been coming to me in my family. I've been in my head trying to give results to everybody, help people, not been communicating very effectively, not being honest about myself. And this weekend has helped me realize I can be honest. I can be authentic. I can share my message and still be true to myself. And I said, Thank God you've got that message yeah. now. How old are you? And he said, I'm oh, 26, 27. And I said, well, imagine you were like in your 50s and you discovered this. And then the next person that came up <laughs> said, what was it? All my life, um, I've not done this. I, I said, how old are you? And he goes, I'm 52. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just dug a hole there because it was exactly that. Yeah, so as you say, it's, it's doing it early and learning to practice this early. Okay, so what's the second step? Second step, and we have talked about this before. We've actually done a podcast on this, is really... 
getting a sense of what your core values are and beliefs. Now, that's not like you stand in the middle of conversation, go, hold on a minute, let me just check. I'm just going to do a quick values elicitation here. What I mean is being present in every moment. But step two is that they can do this straight after this podcast. Go back to that podcast if they can. I think we've got it in the vault as well. In fact, we have. We've got a really two or three really core yeah. video series. And that is what are your core beliefs? Get rid of old limiting beliefs about who you are as a person and about how you communicate, but also about your core values as a person so that when you're communicating with people, you are present with those values. And so you're not trying to speak as though you're somebody else. That's what we're really talking about here. When you, when you're, when you know your identity, you know your purpose and, your core, and you know your core values, when you communicate, they are, the, they are these like beautiful communication lines that come through you and they're like uh, tuning a guitar. Mm. You'll feel it. It's just a great vibration. And you go, this is amazing. My words are just in flow. And because you're present with that, you know that. So if you're not connected with that, you'll be saying all manner of things, but feeling really weird. Like you were in your job, you were saying stuff, but something was going, nah, you know what? There's a twang here that's not right. That's right. So how was that for you? Was it a physical, emotional? Was it a sicky feeling? Because that, what was it for you? I think I think the feeling gets gets greater and greater. It starts as a little niggle, a little but voice. When it in the was back when you're back in your job and you needed to get out and your voice wasn't connecting, that, that, then it's then you, then you. What was happening for you then? It's a it's a sick feeling. Right. You're driving to work and you feel sick. You're driving okay. home when you feel sick. You get home and you're just just zoned out. You're phased out. Mm. And it came down to the, what I how I was behaving was misaligned with my values. Right. And then you're articulating a different way. So you're now yes. speaking on behalf of somebody that said, what "Was it position them out of their ref, uh, what was the, uh, uh, review uh, perfor- performance?" Perfor- so yes. that language was somebody else's language. Somebody else's language. You're somebody else's saying values. That in, yeah. So you're now speaking to somebody from someone else's values and you misalign. So it's a critical part. Where, where is it in the vault? Pass? Okay, good, good point. For those who have not become a supporter yet, you just go to cicardo.com and there's a button there to get access to this amazing vault of videos, which almost underlie everything we do here in the podcast. So well, it's if, like me coaching them. It's like you coaching them. If you resonate it's with anything- designed and, that way. And you say, okay, actually I have a, I want to- uh, learn more about my values, get more aligned with my values, then, you know, do tier one or two, and then that will give you the access to that specific video. If you then want to say, actually, I want to work on, um, you know, communication or relationships, then there's another tier for that. So go to cicaro.com, mm. click become a supporter, have a look at what videos are right do, for you. Do the values, do the values. Do the values. We, I literally go through our lead coach as well, helps me out. And we go through the values elicitation. It is game changing. And, and that's exactly why we've positioned it. We want to make this available to as many people as possible. We've positioned it in one of the lowest tiers. Yeah. So we're literally looking at one or five pound a month. So yeah. definitely just, just get it done. Explore that. Yeah. So that's number two. Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked here because that's such an important part. Uh, number three is feel the other person's energy when yeah. you're present with them. You know, as I'm talking to you, yeah, I can just unload all this stuff that's going on, but I'm also conscious that all this wisdom that's inside you. So I'm conscious of that and I'm watching your response and I'm pausing because I get a sense that there's something you want to say. And often if I'm in my head, I don't even see that. If, if, I, if, if somebody's heady, they just talk, 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 talk. And the other person goes, right, well, I was going to say something, but you know what? We haven't got time now. So mm-hmm. just start to open up to feeling how their energy is and, and notice their breathing, notice their facial gestures. They will certainly give you clues. But if you can really go there without saying anything, they can emit an, an, a vibrational frequency, which you can tune into. But you can only do that if you're number one present. Yeah. So feeling their presence and just being aware of what you sense about their reaction to you is, is the third part of that process. I, I just want to add there, well, this is not an intellectual exercise. 
in no, the past, no. I would have treated it like one. Good so, point. for example, if you find yourself observing somebody and you're like, I can't feel what they're feeling. I can't feel what they're feeling. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. must be doing it I'm, wrong. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying really hard to feel <laughs> I'm them. trying really hard to feel them. I can't feel them. It's not the point. The point is just to feel them and it will evolve and it will, you know, it yeah. will just, you, you'll know you, when it happens. If you don't know how that feels, then you're not present. Well, mm-hmm. when you're present, you might go, oh, I've got a feeling they might be. Or they've they reacted slightly differently. Look at their reactions as a simple yeah. something you say. Or if they glaze over, you can pretty much sure they're feeling bored right now. <laughs> uh, what, what I would say, though, is if you uh, go through these first three steps and actually are present with somebody, you'll start to feel things just internally first. Yes. You know, there'll be lots of stuff going on internally yeah. because which might cause a challenge, which yes. might create a reaction, and it might make me feel scared because you're oh my shit. I'm starting to have like the gentleman was saying. It's like. I started to feel that I couldn't believe it. I was actually yeah. getting a sense of them. And so don't be scared of the, this experience. And that even if you get to hear and you back off for a bit, you've made a massive step forward because yeah. you're now, but then it might be where a coach steps in or somebody has to come and now work with you to understand what those emotions are that are coming up. Cause that could be a wound from the past, by the way, that's important. So ne- next step. So next step is really a, a CWI step, actually communicating with impact. We talk about them, you know, we just talked about you at the moment, but like, so now it's about listening to the words they're saying, how they're phrasing it, how their tone is, when they're responding to you, do they sound like they want to get a message across to you? Do they sound dismissive? Do they sound angry, upset? You've really got to tune into their words because that will help you reevaluate the moment. And I say evaluate because your head there as well. And then go, okay, I just need to be more present. I just need to listen more here and not try and give a solution, which is what a bloke might try and do. So that fourth step is really listening to the words and what what message are they giving to me with their body language and their facial language and the words that they're saying? So just to jump on the point there, well, can you just talk into just for a couple of minutes for the listeners who, uh, when we say listen, or when you say listen to the words, <laughs> you really mean listen to the words, yeah. every single word, how they're phrasing yeah, it. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. exactly does that word mean? Well, I mean, uh, here's an example where a, a fantastic lady came on and gave a slight. So I said to give me a slight, picture of your business and she talked about a business and there's two things happened she tilted her head and there was a little bit of arrogance or ego came into the way she pitched her business because she talked about other businesses and she goes yeah like we don't do that and I had a choice at that moment to let it go or pick her up on it very quickly so it was a shift in a tone shift in a word and a pace and, and her energy and I said well if I was your customer I just sense you a little bit ar- arrogant there a little bit ego and she smiled immediately and acknowledged that and that, I think, is an important element of listening. Listening is about how are the words emphasized? Are they using words that have a link to pain, for mm. example? Are they delivering words that show some sense of fear, vulnerability? Or are they defensive, aggressive? Are they talking about themselves a lot? So when we listen, every single word, when a person speaks, they make a statement. That's based on their beliefs. If they ask a question, it steers the conversation. So every sentence a person makes essentially reflects their beliefs. So if you are very good at asking the questions, you can get a sense of their beliefs. And if they're not comfortable with you, it'll come out. Understood. So that's very much listening to what they're saying, like literally word for word, the phraseology. So what does that lead us to in terms of the next step? So, I mean, this is you and I talking now. It's like not trying to anticipate the next thing they're saying. Not trying to think ahead. Yes. As I'm speaking 
you're very much listening and, and, you know, you bring a different dimension to what we share and then you start speaking and I'm thinking, okay, that's interesting, but I could easily jump in and go, oh, what about this? And we did this and I remember doing this 20 years ago. I just wait and let it evolve. So you let the conversation evolve and not somebody who's very heady is already planning the next sentence. Yes. How many times you have that conversation, especially in your job or you're with your boss or whatever, and they want to be the right, if they want to be right, they stretch like a tennis game, boom, 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 or game of squash, bang, bang, bang. They're coming straight back at you. Whereas somebody who's in a heart space just feels the words and maybe even reflects on it first before they comment, allows it to process deeper, let the voice speak from the heart, comes back up, and maybe the head articulates it. Maybe it doesn't, but it's not an instant response. Instant responses are nearly always the, he- the head. Mm. Where you might get an instant response from them is tears. A change in the breath, as you said, the, the face starts to wobble. And that's now the heart just holding back, feeling yeah, vulnerable. Yeah. And can I let this out? And sometimes if you just lean forward and say, it's okay, I can feel your pain. They go, Poof, and off they go. And that's not every conversation can be like that, but you can feel, it could be a customer frustrated. Yeah. And they're, they're getting quite emotional. And, you know, you if you're too heady, it just pisses them off. And you just say, I, I feel your frustration. We need to find a solution to, to this. It's not right. I want to help you. And you change your language pattern. And if, and if you don't, if you if you don't do this part of the step, you fundamentally can't do what we just spoke about. No. Because if you're thinking <laughs> about what's got, coming next, you've got yeah. this internal dialogue about okay, what should I say next, or you know, try to preempt them. Then how can you listen to them at the same time? You know, you can't. We just can't. You know, our minds are just not wired that way. Yeah, so that's think, very true. So, and, and so that last, that that step we just talked about, which is step number five, stop thinking ahead you have to go back to step number one, which is be present to stop thinking ahead. Yeah. So this is, this, this is like a, a weave, a communication weave. Talk to us about the next step. Cause I think we're on step six now. We are. Yeah. So th- this is really now. And it's it, it, the reason I'm putting it here is because if you're not thinking ahead, your next step has to be to come from a place of compassion. So when you're communicating, yes, it might be a business meeting and there may be times when you have to be boom, 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 heady, but listen, as we said, and watch. And when there's a moment where compassion is needed, heart for the men, you like the word compassion, fine, use that word. For the ladies, you'll understand both of these. That's when you have to think about what comes next needs to be, like I was about the customer there. Customers suddenly gets emotional, but you know, it's, it's just really frustrating. The product's just not working. And you go, no, the product's fine. We've got a great production line. You know, you've got a good value for money. You bought it at a discount. That's a heady response yeah. as opposed to, I'm just listening. I can feel the pain. And the next thing I have to say has to come from a place of compassion. Mm. It has to relate to them. That's the only way I can create that rapport with it. And I just say, I'm sincerely sorry that this has happened. And, you know, we don't want this to be what your experience with this company. So I'm going to speak to the team, um, get the details of what you ordered. In fact, just as an extra, I'm going to give you something, an extra special gift as well. But I, I just want to say I'm sincerely sorry. That's a heartfelt as opposed to, paid your money you got a good price i just get your new one out that's yeah. it boom yeah completely different response you're, you're out of your contract so i'm just trying period. to show yeah. people it can be done in business yeah. as well okay i love that well so that's step six yeah what is a final step because they've got you know they've got an amazing pathway of tools here now to start accessing their heart space when they're communicating what is a final step for them final step is is actually um uh, you could almost blend it into six but if you want to really bring something special step seven it is just bringing um, emotional aspects to everything. So if you remember on CWI, one of the challenges a lot of people are having is when they're going into a meeting or a conversation or a presentation or whatever it was they were p- pitching, 
everything was like, oh yeah, I've got to get the facts right. I've got to get the figures right. I've got to get the information across. So we changed that. We gave them a different paradigm on the first day of the training. And we said, okay, there has to be an element of emotional and logical uh, messaging in what you say. If you know what your outcome is, if you just logic, 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 somebody's going to switch off. So start to weave just some emotional aspects into what you're saying. Even in a business meeting, mm. bring something up about the other person's family or how the product can change people's lives. Yes, statistically, it does this, this, and this, but what does that do for their lives? Mm. So when we talk about, oh, yeah, our toothpaste really uh, helps you keep your teeth safe and makes them look brighter and whiter, there's the logic. right? The emotional to that is gives people confidence. Think about the people in the over the years that literally feel uncomfortable smiling because maybe their teeth are slightly brown or yellow and now the toothbrush, the toothpaste just they walk down the street feeling more conf- confident that they can smile at their kids. I mean, yeah. it's simple things like that. Yeah. So it, it doesn't have to be massive, but learning to be and, and communicating with more compassion. And it comes through the tone of the voice as well. It's not just the words. It's how we express it. Our body language. We had a specialist come in, as you know, one of our guests came in at the weekend and talked about tonality, talked about physiology, talked about the words that we use and how important that is. So that last piece is really learning to weave emotion into what you're saying. Okay. It's everything you say if you can. Okay, amazing. So those are seven steps to start communicating from heart space. And it's and it, if it feels, because if you've lived in a headspace and this feels overwhelming, don't overthink it. Yeah. You know, yeah, literally yeah, right. yeah, don't, don't overthink, overthink it. it yeah. Just start at step one. Yeah. That's it. Don't even worry about step two. Don't even worry and about step two. go yeah. and do the bloody uh, values uh, yes. series because- you can't not go through that. I hit it pretty hard yeah. and we demonstrate it. But I mean, when I went through my values elicitation, it was gut-wrenching because I realized I've been living in a very heady space for most of my life. Although I connected with people, I had this to and fro. And the minute I did the values elicitation, it, it, clen- it just gave me a cleansing feeling and I could come back to the table and start to express in a different way. Yeah. So I'd been fighting that for years. I had been in my heart, but I'd also been in a career that was very heady and I, and I kept being thrown between the two. So do that as an exercise. I really imp- imp- encourage people to do it if they haven't done it. Incredible. So hopefully, and I know it will happen because it happened for me, everything that we've spoken about in today's show has resonated with you one way or the other. If you have a partner or or you know you're 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 a, a youngster and you've got a parent who's maybe yeah, in the right. head. You know, I want to flip it the other way. Yeah, true. Uh, come talking from my generation, then get them to listen to this podcast. We had a 15 year old on the event this weekend. We had a 15 year old, and his brother was there as well. Our and, older brother. And what I love about that scenario is, you know, his career is you know architecture. It's, That's right. You know, it's going to be heady. The older it's brother, going to be yeah. mechanical. So he's got he's learning this at such an amazing time, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. and he he was grateful as well. So. That's what I want to leave you with today. Start to work on getting back into that heart space because when you communicate from that heart space, the connection is just unbelievable. Mm. Well, any final words before I sign us no, off? No, you've said it all. Just go, go out there and just start applying this and being mindful of it, just observing it. Yeah. It'd be great to hear some feedback from people having come off the back of this podcast, how they, it's a bit like the matrix. They see the world differently. This is such a big subject and it needs to get out there. I've spread the word on this one, everybody, because I think you may have friends that over this last year, because of fear, yeah. that's another thing that drives people into the headspace. A lot of the media and the marketing and all the words and the facts and the statistics we've been hearing, people have been driven into this heady space. I think we need to remind ourselves to come back to that center. It's our, it's our north. It's our true north. Okay. So I'm going to put 
those seven steps on the show notes at cicardo.com. That's myself and Rose signing off. We shall see you on the next one. Hello, it's Dr. Rowe here. Harms and I would like to both personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Cicado Show. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal, on a professional level to help your life and maybe other people's lives, then please complete an important action for us which takes less than just two minutes. Please become a supporter of the podcast by going to cicado.com and as a thank you, you'll get access to exclusive supporter perks. And don't forget to simply subscribe to the show, share this product with loved ones, and we would love if you would take a moment to give us a review and let us know just how amazing this episode was. Thanks again for listening. This is Dr. Owen Harms signing out We'll see you on the next episode.